Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And today we've got something just a little bit different. The debut Sonar album, self-titled or called Sonar, I guess, uh, from 1996 on Dirk Ivan's own Daft Records and uh, as a CD and available as a picture disc LP on Ant Zen, who did lots of good noise stuff in the 90s. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, did, and did a lot of cool picture discs. Yeah. And so very cool little pocket of noise to dig into. But, I mean, we've obviously talked with and discussed Orphix, and I, th- I think it's in this world of rhythmic noise, industrial-inspired, and I think it's right in the pocket. And, of course, Daft put out an Escort CD, so right there. Yeah. It's worth discussing. So, but before we get into this sonar CD, Gray, what have you been listening to? Ah, just a handful of things lately, really, because I'd been uh, sort of gearing up to do my new releases. So I've been listening to that stuff. So we've got the decombination signal on endangered species. Really nice uh, seven inch box has a seven inch and a CD in it of sort of power electronic uh, and ambient excursions uh, somewhere in the melding of like it could be on Tesco. It's very like La Joya de la Princess, but also has some like heavy electronics sort of Alberic or Geo moments to it. Uh, pretty cool. And on the same label, uh, the Death Always Follows compilation, which is from a few years ago. And it's got a mix of like harsh noise, power electronics, postmortem electronics, and sort of rhythmic industrial uh, techno leaning stuff, but very uh, mutated. And that's, uh, that's actually in my car. So anytime I'm driving anywhere, it's a nice comp. It goes through a bunch of different zones and it just kind of keeps me in a, you know, I don't get stuck on one thing. And when you listen to a CD in the car, you kind of keep letting it play. Sometimes, you know, you don't take it out for a while, whatever mm-hmm. you're in the middle of a drive. You're not going to like swap the CD when it ends. So when it starts over, it's like different acts and different flow and builds up again. So it doesn't, I don't get tired of it. And I popped on Today I'm Dead's third album, Menstrual Gold, and I really love this one. I think I texted you guys about it when you I did. was listening to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just because you know he he his all three of his uh, albums were on Slaughter, I believe, and which is a Anatomy of a Mel- Anatomy of Melancholy, and I close my eyes, and Menstrual Gold, and this one's just really good. Death Industrial, a little closer to like Mortar Machine than it is to Atrax Morgue, but it's definitely in that realm, uh, made by Terry Saron, and also Italian and also Death Obsessed. So, yeah, big fan. I hadn't listened to this stuff in a while and decided to put that one on, and I think uh, I think I'm going to go through and listen to the earlier ones now. And that's kind of about it. What have you guys been listening to? Well, keeping in the rhythmic industrial loop zone, we were revisiting a little inner war, brighter death now. And, you know, the first brighter death now I ever heard, we ever heard, still 
I would still say it's my favorite. I mean, opens with the Ted Bundy sample. I'm already in. Yeah. <laughs> and just just letting it just letting it go from there. You know, I think that sort of in in structure that record actually has kind of a lot in common with this sonar record of the way of there's like a rhythmic element and like kind of noise blasts cut in over it, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we talk about the record, but that's a great one to pair with this. Uh, Wyatt Howland from skin graph actually sent me a photo of him listening to it the other day as well. And uh, it's, I guess it's just the time of the year. Yeah. Sounds good right now. Yeah. 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 And yeah, just gearing up for this episode, wanted to get into that frame of mind. Another one that another album I believe we've mentioned in in a recent listening, but again, it's it it's actually fitting leading up to this as well because of its loop basedness, and that would be Richard Ramirez' tracking device. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, and, yeah. and that that one is it's heavy on the loops, mm-hmm. heavy on these repetitive moments that continue and get morphed throughout pretty unique in the Richard Ramirez catalog. Yeah, It's a standout for me. Yeah. And I'm sure we've mentioned it before, but it's just, it was all fitting leading up to checking this sonar CD out. Speaking of being in our recent listening, I have absolutely talked about this sonar before in a recent listening. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, because I do return to this one often. It's from 1996. Uh, I can tell from the price tag on the CD that I bought it in 99. Uh, I know actually that I, that I bought this the same day I bought the CD version of MB's Activitat. Uh, nice, <laughs> nice day. And they're both rhythmic industrial records with very different fidelities and takes on it. And I like... I like to, it's one of those things I like remembering. Like I got these on the same day. They're both kind of the same thing, but they're both, I mean, definitely not the same thing. And it's a really striking record. You know, it has uh, like a, I don't know, a removed organ, a heart or something on the cover in black and whites with uh, where they'd normally have the ruler to show the measurements so you can get scale. It's just as the band name sonar, uh, all white art with black type and really clean, really simple. And Sonar is Dirk Ivins primarily. On this record, he's joined by Patrick Stevens from Hypnoskull. And uh, after Patrick left the project, he was joined by Eric Van Wantergem, who he was also in The Clinic, that's with two Ks, and Absolute Body Control with. Uh, Two of my absolute favorite bands. Uh, I had the opportunity to play with Absolute Body Control a few years ago, and it was awesome and a total highlight. And... uh, I've also seen Dirk do dive, I think, three times now. Two of those were with a Splendor Geometrico, who I don't think we've talked about so much on the podcast, but also, obviously, this is in a direct lineage from that of, like, distorted rhythmic industrial music. Um, this one's maybe a little more austere than a Splendor Geometrico, though. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but Geometrico certainly very important, and certainly we will do an episode on them at some point. Now, Gray... When you got this, were you already familiar with the clinic and absolute body control, or did this lead you to those bands? Uh no. And do you remember? No, and no. I, I think maybe I'd heard absolute body control. It was you know those. Uh... No, you know I don't. I don't know. Maybe I heard an absolute body control track on some of those like like flexi pop comps or whatever that were going around at the time. But I would say you probably heard absolute body control 
going to City Club at least oh, right. without realizing it. Right. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I wouldn't say I was a fan of those things back then, but you know, like high school days, whatever. Like I'm a huge fan of Front Two Four Two and and Skinny Puppy and stuff along those lines, and of course, Absolute Body Control and, and the Clinic being sort of the you know, Absolute Body Control to me being the the originators of the Belgian minimal synth sound and kind of taking what Kraftwerk did and making it closer to pop. Uh, or at least early craft work stuff like radioactivity or something and making it closer to like more traditional pop synth pop kind of stuff um, and the clinic taking that edge and making it way darker and creepier and more miserable and I mean clinics sabotage melting close and sabotage which is a like a live record and a Live material and studio material is really absolutely classic and really good example of like noisy, miserable industrial noise. So coming to do dive and sonar after that makes a lot of sense for Dirk. And yeah, I don't think I was aware of his other stuff, but it would also didn't lead me to it. I sort of came back to that stuff through another path of like getting more into like Peter Schoolworth with the weird records comp and getting more into like that sort of stuff and sort of rediscovering a lot of the music I liked when I was younger, when I was in my twenties. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a path to that stuff or even something I really knew. I later came to knew it or to know it after listening to this for a lot longer. So what then led you to pick this CD up? Was it through something you read about it? Yeah, I think, I, mean, I think I'd known that it was on Anzen. Uh, it was on, you know, it's on Daft. Uh, certainly, like at this time, I had started buying a lot more noise CDs. It was in the experimental section. It looked good. I know I bought it at record time in Roseville, uh, in Michigan. Anyone who knows that area, and uh, they used to you could listen. You could take the CD up, and they would let you listen to it. So I may have thrown it on. Or I may have even seen like a review or something like I would have been ordering from the Molinic catalog. I might have seen this name in there uh, and, and then found the CD, you know, a little while later. Uh, price tag on it stated March of 99. And so, you know, bought it, bought it sometime, probably mid 99. And again, it's been with me for 20 years and I, it's still an exciting album when I put it on. That's why it's been in the recent listening in the past. And that's why we're doing it right now is I, I think I described it in a past episode as someone trying to make a techno record out of Mertzbau loops. And specifically, I think of Taro machine with this one, but some of the sounds on this, like, yeah, there's a, there's a drum machine maybe as the source, but it's all so mutated and structured. Really, really weird. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 all just fitting into fitting noise and industrial sounds into some sort of organization or attempting to control chaos. Yeah. Techno industrial crossover. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's it is very I mean, it's very machine based machine heavy. I mean, the, the CD really opens with this machine stutter just breaking in. Is this machine going to fall apart? And then these noise bursts start to show themselves over it. And it's really, you're, it's a good taste of what you're going to get for the rest of the CD. I think that's true. It, uh, it starts to me just great. And yeah, that sort of stuttering, I almost think of it as a glitchy open to the record because it, it has this sort of like click to it that almost sounds like a CD skipping or something. And, but 
it just keeps repeating and repeating and going on. And there's a nice steady pulse to it, but I don't, I'll say, you, you know, the word techno has to get mentioned alongside this. And certainly like the project has become more, has incorporated more of those elements as it's gone on. But when I listen to this record and when I think of this record, I really don't think of techno very much. There's like two or three tracks that have discernible, like sort of drum machine rhythms to them. But the rest of it to me is using that just to make like a re repetitive noise loop. And it's almost closer to like a dark ambient or like a death industrial record to me, but it's a lot harsher than a lot of that stuff. So I love this, the pocket this sits in. Uh, at least in my mind, <laughs> and I think people should listen to it without kind of going, oh, techno noise or whatever, because it's not that. There was that stuff going on at the same time. Obviously, Hypnoskull started in 93, and Patrick Stevens is a member of this project. Uh, there's, you know, Pal Signum, I think I reissued a couple years ago by Afnam and Vitagaba, and that's that record is closer on the techno line, but still also quite noisy. And then some of the stuff that came afterwards, like Vintercalte and Converter, definitely has a much heavier techno feel to it. Whereas this, it really straddles the lines nicely of all those things. Well, I mean, this is 96, so it's, we're looking yeah. at the same year as Fragmentation, if I'm not mistaken, or is yeah, that 97? Yeah. But basically the same time. And I think those, you know, totally sit, you know, next to each other in that using rhythms and noise for to get to something different. Yeah, and, and especially it has that feel of something that you would want to hear live. Definitely, and, and, and Dirk in interviews would say that live is the way to experience sonar, and I can fully see that. These types of rhythms and these sounds are things that I, I can only imagine, you know, being in a dark club, in a dark warehouse space and and just really meditatively listening to this and being one with the experimentation with it yeah and you know i mean go ahead you know he i've seen dive like i said three three times and that tends to be a pre-recorded backing track and him just sort of uh, performing vocals over it yeah and usually like a pretty heavy strobe or light show, he'll be like holding a strobe and like, you know, one will be flashing at you. It's, it can be really disorienting because he moves a lot when he performs, at least as, as dive. I haven't seen sonar play, but I know that in doing sonar, he wanted to sort of get away from the more backing track type stuff. And so all the sonar performances are done live. It's live electronics. It's not a, a pre-recorded thing. And I think that's a, a really cool aspect of it too. So they, they're not afraid to experiment in the live realm. And intentionally left without vocals with sonar. Doesn't need them. There's the there's the layers nope. here are so stripped down and really nice and really clean production too. Like everything sits kind of separate from itself, but does start to blend together or like feel like it's triggering off each other at points. And that's that's kind of what it has in common with Brighter Death Now's Inner War too. Of like there will be a rhythm and then they'll come in this like yeah 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 like heavy noise thing that's kind of tied to that rhythm. This record does that same thing in a, in like its own way and it's really I just think it's really cool. <laughs> it's lots of use of static, lots of high tones. Uh and the first track is just called Sonar, so it sets the expectation of you know, self-titled song is the first song on the self-titled album. Right. <laughs> Love it. Here we go. Mm -hmm. But Mind Radiation, this is, I, th I think I talked about this before we were, uh, with Half Trio's Dislocation. Uh, 
which is one of my favorite Heffler Trio records. And there's a sound on there that's always reminded me of, uh, or made me think of being electrocuted on like a, a boat, like an old like merchant ship or something. <laughs> electrocuted on a boat. Yeah. That's very specific. I, I know. I know. <laughs> and it's, but it is this, it's got, it's got this creaking ship vibe to it. And mind radiation has this rhythm sort of thing that is like a large wooden structure creaking as as the sound source to me and it's not creaking though it's like the the roughness of wood rubbing together and stuttering against itself like a waxed wood or something i don't even know how to describe it but it's like it's kind of a rhythm and this is one where it really reminds me of something like mertzbau with with the harsher and really clean nastiness is like there's that uh i think it's on metal velodrome metal man has hornet's whip and like, yeah. there's a sound in here that like I picture that I picture like a metal man with a with a metallic electric B whip cracking it <laughs> at parts in this song. Like that's what runs through my head when I hear that. I'm like, how was that made? It's just got to be metal man with hornet's whip doing the thing, you know? So awesome! Yeah, this. Ow. I mean, this is Chernobyl audio. I mean, this the radiation is just fully in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You're headed directly into the center. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely industrial. Oh, totally. This is this is just full on. And then the, the next track I do think though is where you get I mean, this is the beat is It's where it all comes together. Yeah, yeah. The beat this is an actual beat. This is the first appearance mm-hmm. of techno on this album or like anything. Yeah. yeah, there is a rhythm, but there's also this sort of weird insect drone and these screeching samples Mm -hmm. like the electronic version of like slamming the brakes or something that keeps happening in it and a really tense background drone like yes there's a rhythm but if you take that away and not not that it's even a bad thing i'm not i I enjoy all of these pieces even the more rhythmic ones but if you were to take away that one element of drum machine that i think sometimes noise people get turned off by sort of more identifiable things in noise you would be left with a really nasty track of layered noise and that's the thing that I think is important to realize with something like this is you're getting all the things you want. There's also this sort of rhythm to it. It gives you some some head nod. And you could play this in a club. Like you could mm-hmm. if you were if you were DJing some kind of industrial dance night, you could probably get away with throwing this on. But it's also got like screeching <laughs> weird screeching electronics and really heavy bass and uh like just nasty kind of almost insect buzzing sounds that shift around it well it's funny that you say that gray because this track when head down started i i really started you know trying to imagine in my head like when you would want to listen to this like what what soundscape what what is what is this crafting for us to be in so it, it really made me think of like gasper knows um enter the void and then of course since mike and i just got the friday the 13th box set i was like okay which Friday is this? So Mike and I had to discuss it and we both decided that, you know, this album, but especially this track is very Jason X. Oh, <laughs> no question. This is Jason X fully. Mm-hmm. Yes. And anyone who listens to home time knows that we, we ran through the entire box so you can go back uh, an episode or two and you can hear our, our thoughts on every Friday the 13th. <laughs> but if you haven't heard that, just to let you know that we are fully fans of Jason X, as I know yes. Gray is. Oh, absolutely. Yes. 
Yeah. But this is saw it in the theaters. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We sure Absolutely. did. Absolutely. And <laughs> this is yeah. This so we we started going fully with Jason X as this album went out. When Tara figured that out, she was yeah. She was like, "This is kind of like what you. This is like Enter the Void or like Irreversible, like the club maybe yeah. Yeah, be playing in the club. <laughs> this is the the scape that is created is is dark. Like I don't I don't see this. In the daytime, I don't. No. I don't listen to this. I don't see listening to it in a field or being one with nature. It's <laughs> no. entire. No, 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 no. It's entirely like urban, industrial, something with darkness, and and truly one of those things that if you're in a city and you throw it in your headphones and you're walking around, it just creates that perfect sound uh, that you want. This is also music to crack your back to because as this track went on, Tara needed to crack her back. <laughs> I did. And then watching her, she has this roller that she cracks her back on. Back rollers oh, are I wonderful. Do too. I do too. Yeah. But watching her do that with this going, it was yeah. perfect. And it was like, yes, this is back cracking music. <laughs> so Yeah, we the beginning fully... of the track was back pain music and right. then it became back cracking, back cracking music. music. So yeah, so we were fully, we were on the Jason X spaceship 455 years in the future, as we noted on our yes. and our detailed watch of it. Yeah. So that's where we are. And this is also the type of thing where you can see, I would imagine this style would be what they're, they're doing live, like somewhere in this neighborhood, because truly it has that, that driven feel, lots, lots of movement. Yeah, it really shifts a lot too. Like the noise actually moves around a lot. Some of the tracks are very content with having a noise element, and it cuts in and cuts out, or a, a, mm -hmm. you know, appears and releases and fades out. And this one, the noise changes kind of a lot more, while the rhythm is really the steady element to it. And then we get to uh, what Prothes. I love the way this. I love the noise on this track, and especially how how it starts with this. Kind of like in a wire. It's like there's like a wire and the noise. Oh yeah, that hum and sizzle. And it's yeah. like you're. It's like amplifying the noise in the wire, and then the doors open, <laughs> the pod doors open in the spaceship, and there is medical experiments happening. Maybe they're. Maybe it's when they're defreezing. Oh yeah. Well, and and um. This is this word is the basis of, of where we get prosthesis. Um, so it means in Greek he added, but you know, like prosthetic. Okay. But so so sure, weird medical experiments where they're, you know, replacing Jason's arms with bionic metal arms or anyone um, you know, doing some sort of wild medical experimentation adding this machine also to man. This also has that sort of background drain sound we've talked about before going yep. on. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, yep. the noise on this, the, it's kind of more lo-fi at parts than on the rest of the record. It's sort of a little muddier and more blurred. And I really like that because there's the pulse and kind of drone that carries the piece is really heavy and clean. After I, that intro, the on a wire is, is a good way to put it. It is like a thin, quiet kind of version of what's to come or a translation of it. And then it, it just cuts in with, with full power on. And I, it's again, we're, we're back. It's, it's just noise. It's a droning noise track and it's got a lot of, uh, 
cool sounds, maybe some feedback. I feel like there's, you know, distorted drum machine, but there's also like an actual noise rig or live noise rig being used to make some of this stuff, some pedal chains or something else that's generating a lot of this stuff. And that's, I guess, also what takes me more into the harsh noise realm with this record and always has is because there's, there is noise being performed on it. It's not just what sounds like distorted drum machine. Absolutely. And, you know, we've been discussing his thoughts on playing live, but why don't we just go ahead and quote Dirk Ivins directly from an interview that was done in, I actually really liked that it was done by fax. I like a good fax interview. Never never had a chance to do one. Uh, Regret that, you know, you know, but this is from 97 and he says, when I perform with Sonar, we play everything live. We play a lot of old school industrial rhythms and see how the people re- will react to the songs. Sonar tracks can last from four to seven minutes, and that gives us a lot of freedom to improvise and try new ideas. I decided I didn't want to use any vocals with Sonar because that would force us to use a song structure. And I think something like this track would benefit from a live setting where there obviously are... Mm-hmm they're experimenting they're trying stuff and they want to see where this can go and how it can react yeah and and i like that a lot and how the sounds are going to interplay with each other and i agree i think dropping the vocals obviously i think all of his other projects have vocals so it was probably a nice freedom for him to just work with the machines and be behind the machines and let see what happens with the machines and not worry so much about vocals or even performance and performing mm-hmm. those vocals. Yeah, and you know, even the first dive record is him doing electronics and and his vocals uh very distorted and it's some of those songs are almost sort of power electronic songs in a, in their way of like the the lyrical content certainly falls in line with a lot of it and the the sounds I mean it might it again might be blown out drum machine rhythmic sampler kind of stuff but it's it's very heavy and very nasty. So that stuff, uh, like listen to turn me on by dive for an example of what I'm talking about. Like that song is great and super nasty. And you know, you could see Marco doing a version of it. (laughs) And I, I think that even discussing them performing live, you know, raises a question that we have all, I think, been exploring in our minds recently. And that is, how does the impact, how, how does an audience impact the performance? And in what way does it impact the performance? Because, you know, now that we're having more and more things happening virtually, where you're not physically present with somebody, you do notice a difference. And it it makes different sounds. It makes a different feeling. And, and what really is the source of that? It's so intangible. It is so ineffable. And truly, I think that it's going to take us all a long time to really process, you know, what we've lost or what we were missing during times when we aren't feeding on personal, physical energy from another body. Right. And I especially think with something like Sona where it is in human, but then it is getting response from humans, whether or not it's the audience or whether or not it's the, the band. And so when you eliminate the audience, how, what difference does that make yeah. for the sounds that they are creating, especially something like sonar where 
rhythmic type stuff is so much about live and yeah. about being live. And when you can really read the crowd and see like, oh my God, people are, you know, they start to kind of nod their heads and then everybody's dancing. And then you have like one stoker up front who's really like getting everybody ready. And then everybody starts dancing. Like you're feeding on those vibes and, and you know, it, it is responsive. It's a dance that's interplay that you have together where you're like, okay, they like that. I'm going to keep going with this. And like, it was going to be a four minute track, but now it's a seven minute track because, you know, this is really like getting a good response and we're in this together. And there's just something about that, like human energy and sweating and bumping into each other. Like even say at a noise show, like it's like a, a matter of being polite. You got to kind of hit shoulder to shoulder and bump into each other a little bit just to show you're appreciating it, you know, and, and truly like, what, what is it like having something that's so, imbued with the energy of many people. And then when you take that away, what, what has that done? It's funny. These, these virtual performances, you know, one of the things that's also lost is the shared experience. Even if you're all at home watching it, you're not experiencing it on that PA that that stuff is being played through specifically. Everyone's got a different you're listening mm -hmm. to it on your laptop speakers, on headphones, on your stereo, which is different from my stereo, which is different from whoever's stereo. Uh, this, it it changes the way we all experience the show different too. It's like we're all in different temperature rooms. We're all at different levels of comfortable in our homes uh, versus everybody standing in a loud venue that smells like stale beer or in in a basement somewhere or you know whatever it is. And it it has really changed how you perform. How I, how I think people do perform and how the audience kind of reacts to that. And I don't know how I'll react when I'm at a normal show again. Uh, it's, it's almost impossible to imagine. Yeah. Well, and even think about the people that you know, because you see them at the shows all the time. You're like, oh, I saw them at that show. I saw them at this show. You know, maybe I should go introduce myself because I've met this person at the merch table or, you know, you, you do the same thing. So like what, how is that experience happening? But I mean, all, all of that other like stuff aside, um, it's just such a, a thing that is unfolding before us currently is what value we put on live experience well, I'll tell as you, a group. Well, I'll tell you what, since we can't do these things in person anymore, what we can do is be a little bit like Jason and go to that holodeck uh, in Jason X. That's true. Because you know what you're going to hear when you get to that holodeck? The track in circles. That's exactly <laughs> where we were. We were on the holodeck. Yes. We were, we were cyber Jason. We were in simulated space. Yeah. Sim sorry, simulated forest. Yes. And here we are with in circles. I see. I was thinking it was like a new age bug zapper, but that ad absolutely goes along. Um, yeah. And this track, I, I think this track was uh, beautiful. Yeah, I think in circles is pretty a really elements. Yeah. Appropriate name to it because of the sort of cyclic drone that's going on and the kind of weird fluttering ca cascade of weird flutter sounds. And even the sort of static crackle that kind of starts coming in. And and we're talking about the four to seven minute thing. Uh, on this album, the tracks are two and a half minutes to 11 and a half minutes. This one being uh, sort of in the middle, it's six minutes long. Um, but 
I think they spend the right amount of time exploring things on pretty much all the tracks. None of them really tear me down. And uh, even the 11 and a half minute track, which we will trust me talk about because I realized something while listening to it. Uh oh. Oh, yeah. You could say uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, this one's really cool. And also just kind of really simple. Uh, which is something that I find that I like about these tracks is they don't try to do too much. They do just enough to drag me along with them and keep me interested, but it's never too much. Even when it's overloaded, like, you know, at the end of mind radiation, it's like everything that's happened in the track is happening at one time to wrap that song up. And it, it's overwhelming, but it's all still so stripped down and minimal and simple and in process that it, that it works really well. Yeah, I I really really got into the vibe of this track, and then we get to mainframe, and this is another. Uh, this is maybe the the second largest appearance of rhythm on this record. Yes, and this one's really clunky and distorted, but there's these harsh noise blasts that that kind of keep cutting in through it as well. Uh, and a really weird breakdown where it's got this sort of gallop to it, and but then it it like cuts to just like single hits of the kick drum for a minute and then picks back up. And uh, it's that one that one throws me for a loop every time because I think it's going to strip down for a while and it just comes right back in. Mm-mm. It's beats and interruptions. Yes, this track. Yeah, <laughs> I love when they they don't let you get too comfortable with the beat. Yeah, I I, I like the I like the breakup because sometimes. I'll zone out when something's, you know, got the same beat going on and on and on. This never lets you get too comfortable. Well, the noise keeps threatening to take over the main. Yeah. That's yeah. What's happening. And that's that's what I really like about it, too, is that use of noise in here that where also maybe the noise is a distorted version or the noise is being influenced by the rhythm. Like if you have a setup going and you've got a drum machine running, but you're recording a separate rig and you've got your contact mic or, or microphone to get your feedback and get this sort of signal going. But you, but the drum machine's still pounding away, and it's being picked up on that device, so it influences the noise, and it feels like that on a lot of these tracks. Is like, if there is a rhythmic element, it's influencing that noise, and that I think that's really nice too, because it it just adds an extra depth to it, where it sort of like now moves along with the rhythm, thus making it I don't know more interesting than just layering a level of noise across it. Yeah, those low tones were so bouncy. It was like a bouncy, deep reverb. I really enjoyed this that. This one's a little bouncy. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the holodeck is is starting to crash. The system's getting all buggy. Jason figured it out. Yeah. Maybe stuck a machete in the computer. Maybe he needs a slow injection. Well, now look. I think we got some false advertising on this track. <laughs> there is nothing slow about this track. In fact, nah. I think this is possibly, well, this or the next track are possibly the most frantic. Of My vote goes the for tracks. disconnected, the eighth track. Di- yeah, disconnect. Yeah. yeah, the next track is the most frantic, but this is not slow. I said, I said it's a trash can injection. It's yeah. not a slow injection. <laughs> there are just gears working against yeah. each other and just fighting each other and. It is, it's a blister. This, this is another one where there's a, there's a rhythm, but it's not, it's a weird loop and it's doesn't feel like 
techno, dan- you know, whatever that word means. It doesn't. It just doesn't have that feel to it while it still has kind of a rhythm driving it. But there is some straight up metal percussion ends, hard cuts on this where it cuts between channels of like whatever that rhythm is and noise, and they just drop out and overlap each other. And that part is really cool too. It's structured really well, and it's only a you know. Two and a half minute track. <laughs> it seems longer though. Like it really finishes hard, um, and especially like starting at at, at mainframe. I, I started thinking about your oil drum again, Gray. I'm always thinking that about old, my oil drum. Oh, that old you love blue it. oil drum. Uh, you know who else is thinking about that oil drum? Linecraft. <laughs> like, oh, I almost got it. He's just thinking of it. I gotta right finish now. the job. I I, I wish. Yeah, he's that like, would be I want to finish the job. I hope he does. Oh. He's thinking finish about it. finishing the job. He's like, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't destroy look, that all drum the dents enough. face away from me when I look out and see the oil barrel outside. Okay, all the dents are on all the right. opposite side. Oh, we gotta change that. We're bringing him back. We're bringing him back. We need a, we need a he's, second he's try. He's coming back to finish the job. I know he can. That's right. The body <laughs> count continues and the oil drum destruction continues. Well, you know, Absolutely. you know who he could bring with him is dissecting table. Uh, oh, and well, he could, get, because, he could pick up his royalty check for this next track. Well, yes. That's and so funny. The, we said the same well, thing. I don't think it's well, that no funny because I think it's. It's immediate. It's like, oh, wait, it's is this dissecting table? And I mean, that's that's only obviously yeah. if you heard our episode on dissecting table, yeah. that is only a compliment coming from the three of us because we love dissecting table. And yeah. this really has a feel of of that record, doesn't it? Yes, it does. This is very much a mm. dissecting table. I mean, my first words in my notes are dissecting table style. Yeah. <laughs> Metallic, <too>. frenetic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's. Yeah, there's a weird there's a weird stuttering break in it later on that maybe is yeah. a dissecting table move, but the the high tones that that sort of metallic cycling, clanging, piercing, pinging, uh, you know, pinball machine dissecting table vibe is a hundred percent on this track. Like it is there, and it's great. It's I mean, it's not yeah, oh, definitely yeah. not a bad thing. We like dissecting mm-hmm. table, and it's cool to hear someone else sort of make something in that style because that's one of the things about dissecting table. That, it's a really unique project. Dissecting table yes. sounds like dissecting table. So when you hear something else that sounds like that, it's a, it's like, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, totally. And actually, that actually did forget to mention that. But we we've been doing some reorganizing and got some new shelving. And you got to put those CDs somewhere. You know the, what I mean? Yeah. So putting <laughs> banging the shelving together. And reorganizing stuff, we were cranking some dissecting table, and it was it fitting to yeah. our hammering and our turning of the screws, and it was <laughs> perfect. But yeah, this is this also took me to the tunnel in the movie One Dark Eye that Tara and I recently discovered oh. because of Gray's recommendation, which oh. is the tunnel. It's downtown Los Angeles, but it, mm-hmm. specifically, I was in one dark eye just the colors of that tunnel and just but we were speeding down that tunnel listening one, to this one yeah, dark night one, one, one dark, dark night. night i said one dark eye of course the noise project that's hilarious and actually <laughs> even even thinking and and watching one dark night i kept accidentally thinking and writing down one dark eye that's hilarious <laughs> yes. because i was like maybe i had it wrong no no no, no. i i misremember well, there you go hey noise and horror 
It all gets messed up in these brains over here. We can't help it. I can barely take credit for that recommendation because my girlfriend is the one who put that on the other day for oh, me to see oh, the first well, time. There you good. go. We so loved it. There you go. Uh, yeah, great, great movie. But I, I definitely this this track just moves and and I was thinking of like conveyor melt belts or people movers, you know, like when there's tons of people on them or even when you're at the airport and you're trying to pass somebody and there's one person standing still, like the stress of that was totally present on this track. Yeah, it's a very stressful track. Yeah. But I mean, wonderfully stressful. Yeah. So we get to the last track, Swamp Heaven. And now if disconnected it sounded like dissecting table. Guys. Did I rip off the hive mind sound from this track? <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'll tell you what. This is my favorite track on the CD. So you know yeah, what? I really if, did. if that I'm is true, too. then you know what? You did a good job. But oh, I absolutely see. I hear that now. Where hive mind <laughs> was influenced by this track, and even knowingly or unknowingly, but. It absolutely has a flow of that. It has this, there, it does feel like there's crickets or nighttime bugs going through. Yeah, electronic crickets, distant lightning, and you're on the dangerous outskirts of civilization. Well, and also, this one was a little less Jason X and a little more Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah, it's 100% when Jason Takes Manhattan. Swimming yeah. all the way from wherever he's swimming to to Manhattan. He's covered in. Seaweed and (laughs) muck. This is more that. And yeah, I I really, really love this track. I like the entire flow of this track. Dripping wet seaweed. It's nighttime in space. It's I only got nighttime from this. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very death. Well, Jason takes Manhattan is very nighttime. Yeah. It's true. (laughs) But yeah, dripping, bubbling sounds. This I mean, like all of the things that I like are in this track. And all the kind maybe of sounds owe, that I like to make. <laughs> and maybe you owe Dirk some royalties. Yeah. You know, maybe there's, you know, maybe that's needs to happen. I, it I hadn't mean, really you, clicked, but I wrote the word guilty in my notes because I was like, <laughs> man, this is, uh, this is definitely uh, something that I can't point to as a direct inspiration, but listening to it, I'm like, man, all the sounds I like are in here. All the sounds that I kind mm-hmm. of gravitate towards are on this last track and again i love this record so it would not yeah. surprise me subconsciously if that influenced something um in my in my technique or informed how i like to make noise uh, especially with that project but yeah this one is uh, the longest piece you know 11 and a half minutes fully heavy drone constant bass there's a lot of tweaking and movement these sort of washes of static uh chirping but in stereo like the the kind of nighttime bugs that Connolly mentioned or are kind of fading in and out in each year and swamp heaven one word uh this track is this is i i think mind radiation and swamp heaven are probably my favorite tracks on this yeah, and I also, I mean, even the even the fact that this is an eleven minute track, you know, you you do work within longer tracks a lot mm-hmm. of times, so I can definitely see that. Look, we're just tearing it apart, tearing yeah. you down right well, now. We're no. tearing you apart. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. glad this is eleven minutes. So I think I think it was appropriate for. I didn't even want it to end. This thing oh no, 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 was... no! I'm saying we're tearing Gray apart for ripping off this track, <laughs> just fully. His entire, you know what? I think you owe Sonar a whole bunch of royalties. No, I'm just kidding. Of course. 
But again, sure, why not? I mean, you got this in 99. You obviously, it's been with you that whole time. And sometimes those influences are subconscious and not direct. And then you go back and listen to something. You're like, oh, of course. Well, it is such a nice that's vibe. Where, of course. That's, that's a great vibe. Where yeah. I, that's why I'm into these things. You know, this is something early. You know, I've always kind of pinpointed my kind of the sound of hive mind or what I was inspired to make as uh, being directly related to like my love of MB and like those early Daniel Menchie records and the, because of the texture and because of the kind of synth sounds, but I don't think it actually sounds like either of those things. It's not like what, but, but it does sound like swamp Evan. So yeah. And of course all those were all things, like I said, I bought this the same day as buying an MB CD. that's the thing is you know part it is going through doing this podcast and going through a lot of older stuff or especially stuff that was some of the first stuff we heard and even if it's been a while since you we've gone back to listen to it you do sort of discover these rediscover these things and, and remember what was influential early on that maybe you just almost forgot about because mm-hmm. it just became yeah. embedded in yeah. your work or in your mind about how to work. Like, I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> now, this was our introduction to Sona. This is not a album that we were familiar with. And it was really, we really, really enjoyed it. Now, what about the following albums? How do they fit into this? How do they fit with this album? Um, I think everything took a decidedly more rhythmic approach after this record. Still noisy, but it definitely went more in a rhythmic direction. And, you know, like I said, he was working with Patrick Stevens from Hypnoskull on this record and later Eric Van Wantergem, uh, who also does his own sort of rhythmic noise project called Monolith, uh, joined him to do this. And and again, Eric was in Absolute Body Control and The Clinic. So they've worked together a ton. Yeah, everything else I've heard has been more on the rhythmic tip. Nothing has grabbed me as much as this, but also, you know, it's that old problem of like the first thing you heard is the is the one you love or whatever, whatever like this was, this sets the, the standard for me. So uh, while I have some of the later stuff, this is the one that I return to over and over and over again because of the great use of noise and the frequencies and just the structure of these pieces. Um, yeah. Very, very cool. And then he's continues to do all the projects, correct? Or not the clinic. Uh, I think the clinic played their last show. I unfortunately never got to see them. I did play with absolute body control, uh, with my old band and, uh, actually Eric Van Wattergem released a couple of our albums on CD in Europe, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and Eric's still doing monolith. And I think Dirk is still, maybe they do absolute. I think maybe they have some absolute body control shows coming up. Or, you know, yeah, plan for like I, 2022. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, no, yeah there yeah. was there was some on his website for 2021 and then a, a show in December. Yes. But but yeah, there is but the, the clinic no longer plays, right? Don't think so. No. Yeah. Um They're great. And it's, I recommend really I love the clinic, so you can listen to 
pretty much any clinic record and and be good i think like give them if you're not a fan of them i don't know but it's dark and electro industrial stuff great this is a really really cool album i'm glad you introduced this to us yeah i've been pushing for it for a while yeah yeah yeah. actually this is this there's been multiple weeks where we did almost do it and then something else came up or an interview or something like that threatened many times this has been threatened throughout the year actually a little behind the scenes for you but I'm glad we got to do it now. And I think we should end with a great quote from Dirk Ivins from an interview with Peekaboo. And he simply says, listening to rap is, in my opinion, much worse than listening to Mersbaugh. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.